Good to see you guys. Everybody doing good? Awesome. Glad you're here today. This is a great day. Yes, it is. Um, I, this, uh, this series that we are in right now, it's called It All Started in a Garden. And uh, it's, I, it, is, it is becoming, for me, one of those like big rock ideas. You know that, that analogy of, uh, it, you know, you put the big rocks in place before the smaller rocks because there's a lot of ideas that are smaller ideas that won't take you to bigger places. But um, this right here, what, I, what, what I'm on for these these few weeks that we have together, and what I taught a little earlier in the year about leaning in to the goodness of God, um, could really, I think, be foundational, big rock ideas that could help us uh, align ourselves with every good thing that God has for our life. And so, um, the, the, the big picture idea in, in this thing is this idea, a blessed life in a blessed place is the original intent of God for our life. Everybody read that with me. A blessed life in a blessed place is the original intent of God. And so blessed is God's default setting. Uh, there, there's no question there is a devil who wants to mess that up. Um, there are people who may not be thrilled that you are blessed. Uh, and, and often, we can do things that, that would kind of go against or counter uh, the blessing of God, mess up the blessing of God that could be in our life. I've spent this past week reading through 1 Kings, 2 Kings, and just looking at all the kings of Israel and how there were so many of them that chose to do evil and brought all kinds of calamity onto Israel and onto uh, Judah and the, but there were a handful of kings that would choose to do right, and it always brought blessing to them. It always brought blessing uh, to the places that they were leading. But I think, I think getting this clear in our thinking that it is always and still is God's original intent and God's ultimate intention for us to live a blessed life in a blessed place. And I remember when I was in uh, Bible college, they taught us this idea of the law of first mention. In other words, every time you see something mentioned for the very first time in the Bible, it has a, a pivotal concept to it, and that could, that could lead us into all the other concepts. So God's first move when he created mankind, and, and I'm going to review a few things. One, uh, it's because I realize, especially in summer, that everybody's in church every weekend. Uh, two, there probably are people here for the very first time today. And three, I just like to review. So uh, Genesis 1, verse 27 and 28 says, And God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them and God Bless them. Everybody say that. And God bless them. So God's first move, 
the first mention of God's interaction with man is he creates man and he blesses them. Tells them to be fruitful, multiply, subdue, rule, all that kind of stuff. And then the Bible says that he actually took blessed man and placed man in a blessed place. Genesis 2, 7, the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, man became a living being. The Lord God planted, in other words, God created a garden toward the east in Eden. And there he placed the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground, the Lord God caused to grow every tree that's pleasing to the sight, good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And verse 15 says, the Lord God took the man, put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. So we see that God's normal, God's original intention is blessed. And I think most of us, no matter how biblically literate or not we are, we all pretty much know the story. Adam and Eve were in the garden. The one thing that God said, don't do, they chose to do. And, and that messed things up. And God's original plan for blessing, all of a sudden, they opened the door with their rebellion for a curse. But immediately, God puts a plan of restoration and God puts a plan of redemption so the truth is no matter what you and I may have done to mess things up no matter what bad choices we have made can I just assure you that God puts into place a restoration plan God puts into place a redemptive plan and that's always the heart of God is to restore us back to the original idea a blessed life in a blessed place. And so this word Eden, uh, we've been kind of drilling down on this idea. Eden, in Hebrew, there's five strokes uh, in the Hebrew language to, to paint this word Eden. And those strokes are this, spot, moment. This is what makes up Eden for us. Spot, moment, presence, open door, and delightful place. Today I'm going to talk about open doors and delightful places but I just want to keep us all kind of on the same track and talk for a few moments and just talk about your Eden spot in other words every one of us has a garden a, a spot that God has assigned to us just like he assigned Eden to Adam and Eve and they are places that God wants to bless and I think recognizing that I have gardens in my life that I need to look after. Also, we have to recognize that not every garden is my garden. <laughs> not every spot is my spot. It's not all uh, for me to take care of. But there are certain things that are my spot. They're my garden. So your marriage is your garden. And if you cultivate it, you could create a great marriage. Uh, your kids are your garden, your calling, your ministry, your job, your health, your finances, your friendships. And, and in other words, God gives these things to us. They're our gardens. My garden is my responsibility, right? God wants to bless it, but he still assigned me to cultivate it. He still assigned me to take care of it. No one else can do my push-ups, I would love to delegate that, 
but it doesn't work that way. But I just want to remind us that every one of your gardens, God's intention is to bring blessing into it. And then I want to talk for a few moments about this idea of your Eden moment. And I think this is such a powerful idea. Your, your Eden moment is now. Uh, life is a collection of moments. Some are special, some are spectacular, some are, you know, incredible moments. But a lot of life is just boring, monotonous, daily. You're just walking it out. There's these Kairos moments where do you just see stuff that you never saw before? You have an experience with God. You have a, an incredible opportunity come your way. There's these big moments, but most of the moments of our life are just daily moments of, of walking out that opportunity now or walking out what we saw from, you know, when we were in the presence of God. What you do with your moments matters. Your spot in your moment, and I just want to keep reminding us that your Eden moment is now. Whatever now is for you, whatever, whatever situation you're in right now, because sometimes we can look back and go, I wish I had what I used to have. Well, that's done. That's over. That's the past. You can't put toothpaste back in the tube. And then but some of us are always looking forward to if I get to this or that, if I get this job or meet somebody or, or get this opportunity or have a house or whatever, just all the kind of stuff that we're looking for, and we never let ourselves recognize the goodness of God that exists in this moment. I'm not going to wait for something else to happen to be happy. <laughs> I can choose. God has a blessing for your right now moment. Not your past moment, not your future moment, but your now. And then I spent a few uh, minutes a couple of weeks ago talking about your Eden presence. And I talked about your presence in your world, but I also talked about God's presence in your world. And there's such an incredible story that's in 2 Samuel chapter 6 where the ark of God, uh, David was afraid to bring it in to, um, to, to Jerusalem and because God had struck dead somebody who had tried to, you know, keep it uh, stable. And, and it went to the household of Obed-Edom, a man named Obed-Edom. And for three months, the ark of God, which represented the presence of God, was in the household of Obed-Edom. And even though Obed-Edom did nothing else different, no new tactic, strategy, whatever, but the blessing of God was there because the presence of God was there. And if I could encourage you to own the incredible blessing and power of the presence of God, because wherever the presence of God is, there is blessing. And Obed-Edom's house, amen, Obed-Edom's house was blessed because God's presence was there. And David finally said, well, I can't let that keep happening. i got to get the presence of God into my house, into my world. God's presence brings God's blessing. So today, let me talk about this idea for a few moments. Um, your Eden open door. I want to talk about open doors for a minute. There are doors that God opens. There are doors 
that God closes. And I think a lot of us, in trying to decide what to do, where to go, what's next, I want to encourage you today to recognize that when your life is in the hands of our incredible God, you can embrace the fact that you do not have to force your way in life because God opens doors. And nor do you want to try to beat yourself against a door that God has shut. God opens doors. And the ability to figure out this open door idea is, is a way to walk into the goodness of God and the blessing of God in your life. God opens doors that you could never open on your own. God opens doors. It's called favor. When God puts favor on your life, there are doors that will open to you that would have never been possible except for the fact that God opened those doors. And when, when we will at least try to get an idea, because I think sometimes we think God's will, he's almost hiding it for, from us. And I just want to say that's not true. God is not hiding his will from you at all. He wants to make it very clear to you. But, but if you will take the time to stop and say, I'm not going to force my way in life. I'm not going to manipulate my way in life. I'm not going to try to make things happen in my own strength. I'm going to try to figure out what doors has God opened because when I walk through the doors that God has opened, the God-ordained open doors, I'm walking into my Eden. So, uh, uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 7 and 8 says this, To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens, says this, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut. Because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. No, no man, no person can close a door that God has opened. No, no devil can close a door that God has opened. And I think one of, I think, I think getting this idea that I'm going to walk through God opened doors and I'm going to recognize the beauty of God closed doors. I don't, when I was a, a kid, and I would fake being sick so I could stay home from school. Anybody ever done that? Come on, admit it. You're in church. We know you did it. I did it probably way too often. But I, rem I remember uh, I would be at home, and the only time I'd ever get to see this, but uh, my mom would fix me tomato soup and saltine crackers, and I'd get seven up. Anybody ever go that? That just 
that probably, that's, that's like healing virtue flows through all that. But uh, I can remember so many times watching Bob Barker and The Price is Right. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you guys are old. And, um, and, I, and there, always was a, there, there always was, I just heard about it. Uh, there always was this moment where you got to choose door number one, door number two, door number three. And the, you know, you could just, you know, you, you could choose the wrong door and ah, you choose the right door and it's a brand new car or something. And I think this idea happens for a lot of us that we're trying to sort out God, door number one, door number two, door number three. I want to say not everything that looks like an opportunity is always God's open door. And I also want to say a closed door is just as much a blessing as an open door. And I realize when doors close in the moment, it feels very disappointing. It's like, man, I wish that would have worked out or that opportunity would happen. But I, I can look back and recognize that there are things that I thought I wanted and thank God he never answered those prayers. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? So... Uh, and with what I know now, I'm so glad that God kept that door shut. I remember when I was 21 years old, and I was trying to decide what's next for, for me. And before me was the opportunity to go to Bible college, to Christ for the Nations in Dallas. And at the very time that I was, being, uh, that I was considering doing this, my next-door neighbor uh, had, was, was really fond of our family and was offered me a job with a great pay package for a 21-year-old guy, company car, uh, benefits, and the opportunity that would ha- allow me to build a career opportunity for myself. And I remember, you know, just stepping back and going, Christ for the Nations, Bible College, or brand new car. Um, you know, I was trying to, trying to figure out what to do. And, and, and I will say this, if you, will, if you will take the time to wait on the Lord, not wait forever, but wait on the Lord to go, God, just because this is an opportunity, this may not be the open door. And and I've, I've finally recognized, even though the circumstantial opportunity seemed to be great job, great opportunity to grow, great new car, great pay package, great everything, I knew by other indicators, by the, and even by the peace in my heart, that God wanted me to go to Bible college. And that was the open door for me. And sometimes I really think, I don't want to mystify choosing God's will or discerning God's will or just figuring out what the open door is because 
I think it's always a green light till you get a red light, right? In other words, just keep moving forward. God knows how to tell you, stop. God knows how to get into your world, if you're listening, if you're, if you're, if you're open. And, and I, think it's, I think it's good to actually work through your, your wisdom decision checklist and go, Here's why I should do this. Here's why I should do that. Here's why door number one, door number two, door number three, and you work through it. But eventually, you're going to get to a point where you realize it's not about the checklist. I know it's right in my spirit. And there are some decisions that you will make that you know it's God's open door, and it's going to bring you in the blessing. Hey, I'm glad I went to CFNI. It's where I met Suzette. <laughs> so, yeah. It's good. You may not be happy about that, but I'm very happy about it. And I think it's good to go through the the process of going, should I choose door number one? Which one is God's open door for me? Should I choose door number two? Should I choose number three? Because once you walk through that door, you are still going to encounter things that will make you doubt whether you should be there, and you can look back to go, this is how I decided, this is how I know, right? When Suzette and I were, were, were living in Tallahassee, we were about ready to move here to start the church here. Uh, literally, at the very season that we were about ready to move here, um, I got offered a job. I'd been a youth pastor for seven years and wasn't really actually that interested in being a youth pastor anymore. Because if you're a youth pastor, you have to deal with teenagers. Uh, but I'm playing. I love teenagers. Thank you very much. Here we go. There's one of them, two of them. Um, but it, it, was, it was interesting to me because the, the very moment we were trying to decide, do we move to Asheville and start this church with no promise of anything? Awesome. And... Uh, but, uh, or do we go take a job at this established church with this established ministry and, you know, everything put together for us? But we, as we evaluated all that, and God sent uh, indicators into our life to let us know that even though that thing looked so good, moving here with three people, 500 bucks, didn't know a soul in town that was God's open door for us. <laughs> that was what he wanted us to do. And there was no promise of, any, of anything, but we had enough indicators because we were looking for them. God sent us here. Now, 30 years later, come on, let the blessing of the Lord be released. <laughs> Apostle Paul talked about open doors um, I think this is an interesting idea. 1 Corinthians 16, 8. He says, I'm going to remain in Ephesus until Pentecost for a wide door for effective service has opened to me. And, uh, this I hate the and part of this, and there are many adversaries. So not every open door is adversary free. When we were, when when we had been here 15 years or so uh, as a church, I started to wonder, uh, 
did God want us to like move to a real city? And <laughs> hold your judgment for a minute, please. Right? Uh, was this like training ground for us to move to a, a city and, and pastor a church, start a church there? And I remember in this season, I was, I, was, I was trying to go door number one, door number two, door number three. I was looking at other cities, and, and there may have been alluring things about other places, but there was no divine spark. There was no, yes, this is God. And literally, right in the middle of it, I don't know, you know which one played into the other chicken or the egg came first, but that was also right in the middle of the worst years of our church's existence. I mean, it was a three-year season from hell. Anybody ever been in a season from hell? Come on. Well, I'm your friend. <laughs> I have, I've been, and I promise you, there was wide open door of service, but there were many, there were many adversaries for sure. And it would have been easy to leave. But I do believe if we'd, have, if we'd have stepped out of this wide open door of service, that we would have missed God's best for our life. It was so great to be reminded by God, this is your assignment. I don't think God is worried about us looking to go, God, is it time for a change? I think, I think what we definitely need to do is be ready to say, okay, God's saying this not a... Because I think some people, they end up going here, going there, going here, going there, trying to find themselves, and you're never going to find yourself there. You've got to find yourself here and then bring that there. Craig, I read this quote of Craig Groeschel's the other day. Sometimes the greatest act of faith is staying where God has planted you. Amen. And then I want to talk about not only open doors, but I want to take a minute to talk about delightful places. Your Eden delightful place. These are two verses that um, are profound to me. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot, my garden, <laughs> my spot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I think sometimes we don't recognize God's blessing in our Eden because we're looking at somebody else's blessing and wishing their blessing was our blessing. And I think it's, I think it's, it's vital to stop and recognize you have made my lot secure. In other words, nobody can mess up what God has planned for your life. It's He is your portion. He is your cup. 
He makes your lot secure. And to recognize, to stop for a minute and go, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I think, I think with, uh, it's always been easy to compare uh, what God is doing in somebody else's life or the blessing that's in somebody else's life. But I think today and the day of social media, it's just so easy to look out and go, look what's happening for them. Look what's going, seems, now you know all social media posts are just the highlight reel. And you can't compare their highlight reel to your daily life. Sometimes we look out, and I think it's important to stop and recognize your delightful place. In other words, to learn to have gratitude for what you actually do have in your life. Because I promise you, there is somebody else on this planet that wishes they had your life, that wishes they had what you have in your world. And I just want to close out our time together here and just with this idea. I do believe with all my heart that God wants to bless our Eden on earth in this lifetime. But I also recognize there's still a piece of fulfillment of heart that only gets found when we are centered in heaven. In other words, heaven is your delightful place. Because whatever job you get and think you want, I promise you, there's struggles and hassles and adversaries with it. Whatever house you get, you got to start fixing stuff as soon as you get it. Any homeowners know what I'm talking about? Whatever job you get, whatever person you end up with, whatever happens in your life, I promise you, it's, there's never, you're never going to get enough money. You're never going to get the greatest car. You're never going to get the greatest job, the greatest person that brings total fulfillment to, you, to your life. Heaven is your delightful place. And our heart is never going to find true rest outside of heaven. Now, heaven is a place I'm going to. And I want everybody in this room to be going there. But heaven's not going to start existing the day that I die. Heaven exists right now. So the reality is, what's going to make your Eden with all the stuff of your job, your house, your kids, your marriage, your money, your health, your, all the crazy things that happen on earth, is to recognize that I can, I can pull heaven into my world right here. I, I, can, I can go there before I go there. My feet can be planted on the ground here, but my heart could be grounded in heaven. I'm talking about your Eden being a, a delightful place. I think the, 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 the incredible beauty and power of prayer and worship is it, it, it pulls heaven into your world. 
I think sometimes people look at prayer as like, God, did I pray enough? Are you happy with me? Or God, did I worship right? Are you happy with me? The, tr the truth is, for us to go, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, just as it is in heaven, God wants your Eden to be a delightful place, but I could, let me tell you what will take you there. You having a real, legit prayer life. I said, you having a real, legit prayer life, and, and you incorporating worship into your world. Those are channels that bring the presence of heaven. Whatever your situation, because I know as I teach this today, some, some of us are in like, we're, we're in a great season. Everything seems to be going pretty well. But some of us are struggling with this or that or the other. And can I just encourage you to know that it isn't when that gets fixed that you're going to feel like you're in a delightful place. It's, it's when heaven is present. That was, that was a better statement than your amen. It's when heaven is present and when God is present. That's what makes your spot a delightful place. Your Eden, your Eden spot, your Eden moment, your Eden presence, your open door, your delightful place. I want to make sure that I get the stamp down hard on this, that you get this idea fixed in your mind. Because it's, sometimes it's easy to go, I don't know if that's going to happen for me. But I just, I just want you to get this so clear in your thinking. A blessed life in a blessed place is God's will for my life. Amen. Hey, could we take a moment to pray together? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and let's just pray. Father, I, I am aware that some of us don't feel like our now is a great moment. But I am praying that the lights are coming on, and that we are literally able to spot the goodness of God in this moment right now. God, I'm praying for people who are trying to decide, door number one, two, or three, that you make it clear what your closed door is and what your open door is. Father, I am praying that we all would get to that place where we can say with the psalmist, Lord, you are my portion. You are my source. You have made my lot secure. That you bring me into a delightful place. Every person here, heads bowed, eyes closed. I just want to give this opportunity. Maybe you're here today. You've never actually really surrendered your life to Jesus. And that's where all this starts. And I would love to pray with you today. Let's start that journey today. Maybe you're here today and you know you can look back and see a day when you actually used to be close to the Lord, but you're not today. In other words, things have come between you. Maybe there's been a drift. Maybe there's been something happen. I don't know. Maybe you've made a bad choice. 
this could be your moment to come back home and just to rest your life in the hands of this incredible God. Or maybe you just feel unsure. You don't have confidence. My lot is secure. My life is in the hands of God. I would love for every person to walk out of this room with a sense of confidence. So nobody looking around just to pray together. You say, Pastor, would you pray with me? I want to I wanna surrender to Jesus, or I want to come back, or I want to know for sure I'm right. Would you pray with me? I want you to lift your hand. Just right now in this moment, say, yes, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. Come on, yes. Just right here, just a moment of honesty. Now, it isn't even a call to like get your act together. It's a call to surrender to the goodness of God. Anybody else? Thank you. All over the room. Anybody else? Let's pray this prayer together just for everyone who lifted their hand, but I love it when we all pray this one together. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I open my life to your love and to your Lordship. I need you. I want you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned. I know I've messed up, but I come to the cross where you have paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start. It's a new beginning as I surrender to Jesus. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Amen.